Well, joining me now is our good friend, Mr. Al Bat, and he always looks at things on the bright side. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I, it, oh, it is really nice out today. So it's beautiful. Well, you're right. Get out there and enjoy it. And I will be one of those driving around in the uh, potential blizzard. So we'll see how that goes. Cause need to get to work. So you gotta gotta do that. Before I forget, I want to thank the Winona Bird Club, the Bluebird Recovery Program Expo that was held in Cannon Falls. The Tracy Lions uh, for allowing me to blab at their gatherings. And uh, a special thanks to Bob and Suzanne Hargis, who are from Riverton, Wyoming, who stopped in and we enjoyed uh, a meal together. And I should also thank the KNUJ Athletic Banquet that they held in beautiful New Ulm, where my, uh, one of my lovely granddaughters was named uh, uh, Female Basketball Player of the Year. Congratulations so to cool. Joey Bat. Yeah, that is awesome, Al. Yeah, she's she's a good young lady. Did she, and hey, I Al, come did, into my see, season, did, man. I love spring. Red winged blackbirds are singing. Brewster pheasants are crowing. Canada geese are claiming nest sites, which is a really noisy job. Turkey vultures are tilting through the sky. The poet Mary Oliver wrote, like large, dark, lazy butterflies, they sweep over the glades looking for death to eat it, to make it vanish, to make it of it the miracle of resurrection so it's pretty cool seeing them and you were saying something before i went off on a tirade here. oh i don't remember so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you sent me a nice thing from kathy probst yes and, you know uh, she kathy, used to live here in mankato and they moved down south because well i guess they got tired of the winters here you know who would have thought anybody would ever get tired of our winters but apparently people do she lives in westlico Texas, a place that I have visited and birded many times and enjoy the company of the good folks down there. She said, when I went out to get the paper this morning, a mockingbird was hopping across the driveway with something in its beak. I think maybe it was one of those tiny cherry tomatoes from our new plant. He flew away before I could get close enough to see for sure. It may be the same bird that sits on the aerial and also sings at two in the morning or any time at night, for that matter. Yeah, that's. I remember the first time I had any experience with a mockingbird. I went down, now I, I have seen them in Minnesota, but the first time down south where I heard one singing all night, and it sing like everything, it's sing, sung like anything, and they can mimic they're just masterful mimics so they can do a cell phone call they can they can uh, the ringtone they can do all these things and the adult male mockingbirds both male and female can sing a bit but the male he'll sing all day long but it's the bachelor that primarily sings at night and the night music is is his love song and as soon as uh, your mockingbird finds a mate he'll stop singing but uh, get, And just listen to their songs sometimes. I know, Kathy, that's just what you want to do when you're lying in bed at 2 in the morning and can't <laughs> sleep. But if you listen to his song, you will hear the sounds of other birds embedded in his melodies. So it, it's a, a cool thing. And you can, you know, if you think of it as a lullaby, maybe it'll just <laughs> sing you to sleep. But the best thing is just to hope that some female mockingbird will pick bachelor number one and then he won't have to sing all night 
Uh, Rich in Mankato said the North Dakota eagle's nest is down to one eagle. The original nest had two eagles, and the second born only lasted a short time after hatching. So, yeah. I'm just looking at the picture now of the little eaglet. I brought it up. You can just Google Decora Eagle Cam, and you can see a picture of this little eaglet kind of struggling to move around. He's just all white and downy. What would cause the other one to just hatch and then just not make it? Is it it like... You know, who knows? There could be so many, so many things that happen there. Uh, Just... uh, uh, we would notice that with chickens sometimes when we'd bring in. We had an incubator that we would uh, hatch chicks out of, and every so often we'd get one that was uh, just hatched and died right away. And uh, it's uh, there's so many things out there that want to get us all, and some of those things get bald eagles. And when we look at those little guys, as you said, just kind of flopping around there, it's hard <laughs> to believe that in a short time, they will be one of these majestic birds that are just awe-inspiring. Well, you know what's so uh, funny they, is I, as I'm wa- I'm watching it as I'm talking to you, and the the mama, or I, I assume it's a mother eagle that is picking up sticks around it and rearranging the sticks around its little baby, which is kind of funny to watch as the the little guy is trying to get up and flopping around. Yeah, they're like putting those uh, things. That, I remember when I was a kid, they always <laughs> put those things across the stairs going down little gates, those little gates. Yeah, <laughs> to keep kids and. Kids weren't very old before they figured out how to open those gates, but uh, it seemed like every old, particularly farmhouses, were always two or or two and a half story, so they always had that basement. So you always had to put that up. And we had one. um, Mom never used it on any of her own kids, but boy, when the grandkids came, then she slapped that baby up right away because you didn't want the grandkids falling down the stairs. Her own kids, they would have just taught us a lesson, and we'd know better (laughs) next time. So, Uh, Dave Vetter of St. Peter said, Hi, Al. My wife and I are enjoying watching an active eagle nest on the Minnesota River near Casota. While watching the pair, one on the nest and the other on a nearby branch, a third mature eagle flew near the nest. The one on the branch took off after it and chased it away. We were wondering what the third eagle was doing. Well, he was up to no good pretty much you know he he just wanted to weasel in on somebody's territory so to speak so he's more than likely an unmated male it, it could certainly be a female but more likely it's a unmated bachelor male that's just out there uh, seeing uh, what life's going to bring him and in this case it brought him uh, somebody that was really <laughs> unhappy with him and chased him away and a lot of bachelors uh, have probably found that the case as they, <laughs> they go around. I, I'm looking at a cowbird out my window right now. They are, well, they're really pretty birds. Uh, they are brood parasites, and they don't build nests. Instead, they lay their eggs in the nests of other birds. And the host birds incubate cowbird eggs and raise the chicks, often to the detriment of their own offspring. I saw a northern harrier uh, just down the road from my place. And northern harriers return when the snow leaves the fields, and they were once called a marsh hawk. It courses low over the ground while hunting small mammals, reptiles, amphibians, birds, insects. And differing from a lot of raptors is that they they locate they locate some of their prey anyway by sound, so they hear. 
Um, folks, if you drive around today, as you probably will or are, you will notice pocket gopher mounds. They are declaring that frost is out of the ground. Um, monarch butterflies, the last I heard, and this was probably like Sunday, that they're uh, well into Oklahoma, so they're, they're on their way. Uh, TJ, Tom Jessen of Medelia, said on the end of March he heard the first chorus frogs calling. And they're the ones that sound like you're running your uh, thumbnail down a comb. <clears throat> he saw several large leopard frogs hopping and observed 83 garter snakes crawling around near the banks of the Watanwan River. And he broke a record yesterday, so TJ is probably still sleeping because he was up celebrating because he broke this record. He saw 142 garter snakes along the Watton Run River near Medelia. His old record was 105 two years ago. This is the most number of snakes I've ever seen in a single day, TJ said, and this was all in three hours. I've never seen this many when I was a kid. Snakes were all apparently having a great time before the first blizzard of April hit this week <laughs> when they all head back underground to wait it out. And he sent uh, a bunch of lovely photos. I think garter snakes are, are really pretty, pretty snakes. Uh, Tom and Lisa Bovers of Faribault saw both ruby-crowned and golden-crowned kinglets. David Neitzel saw Forster's Turn and Lincoln Sparrow in Fremont County. Paul Janser saw a Forster's Turn in Faribault County. Brian Weller said, uh, Brian's from Osika, he said, started to see night crawlers and earthworms on the soil surface late last week. You... Boy, I have none of them in my yard. I went out and walked around, and I don't see any. The robins aren't finding any yet either, but maybe maybe tomorrow or later today. I'm, uh, and if I mentioned this before, folks, bear with me, but I'm saddened by the death of uh, Bill Thompson III. Uh, this wonderful editor, publisher of Birdwatcher's Digest was a friend that I dearly miss. The birds had no better friend or a more influential voice on their behalf. And he'd hoped to be able to see the warbler migration in May, and I've always said that there's no crying and birding, but there is. Uh, as a gifted musician, Bill would want everyone to take a sad song and make it better. Uh, Nels Thompson, on this would be what, uh, March 26th. He saw 300 tundra swans at Straight River Marsh, about 10 miles south of Oatana on uh, County Road 45. And that's a great place. I stopped there a lot. Uh, Molly Miller said, I saw my, just saw my first of the year eastern bluebird in my yard. It's beautifully colored male. Yesterday I had my first of the year yellow-bellied sapsucker female. Chunkles are still here, but doing a lot of chasing. I think spring is here. And you can look for bluebirds putting that little sign, a little bit of grass, in a nest box so you know that they're setting up to go in there. So, Al, wants, is yeah. it still too late to, to clean out the, the, the boxes? Should you still do it? Because I just realized I haven't cleaned out some of the old stuff from the past in the bird boxes. I, I would. And you oh, you can still would? Some, okay. I would. Because if you don't have a bit of grass or something sticking in there, if a tree swallow wants to do it, they will put a feather in there, but I'm not seeing them around here. So if a chickadee wants to use the nest, he'll put a little bit of moss, 
and a bluebird will put a bit of grass in there. So these are all like down payments. Okay. To, or uh, they put down that money in case they're for damages, uh, sure. future damages. So if you don't see that, that means nobody is really looking at it yet. So, yeah, feel free to clean it. Uh, Sue Steele of Albert Lee saw a purple finch, Aaron Peach, in Nicolet County on Swan Lake, he saw a canvas mac, redhead, lesser scop, ringneck duck, northern pintail, mallard, northern shoveler, and then at the hog farm ponds on 111, mallard, common golden eye, bufflehead that are doing courtship displays, and trumpeter swans. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye saw a prairie falcon in. Uh, Brown County, and I, I forgot to thank the good folks at New Alm. I spoke at a uh, thing at the for the senior citizens and uh, slash library, New Alm Public Library combination, and I talked to somebody there that had seen that prairie falcon in a wonderful group of folks. Uh, Paul Gant- Janscher saw a ring-necked duck and a lesser scop hybrid in Free Warren County. Bob Jansen saw a Golden Eagle, Highway 90 and 13 in Freeborn County, and a red-shouldered hawk in Keister, which is in Faribault County. Mary Gugisberg saw tundra swans on Freeborn Lake. Uh, we have, in April, the full moon, I believe is still called Pink Moon. It comes like uh, the 19th, I believe, and it's named after a flower, the phlox, the pink phlox. So it'll come on, boy, Good Friday, and the moon has been called the Full Sprouting Grass Moon, which is a great name, but it's kind of a mouthful. Uh, The Egg Moon, which is a perfect name, I think. And among coastal uh, Native American tribes, the Full Fish Moon, because this was a time that the shad swam upstream to spawn. A, A listener said, Al, do owls eat fish? Uh, Mike Kennedy, I talked to Mike one day, he does some bird banding, he's from Winona, and he told me he loves to fish, and he told me that he'd had a barred owl pestering his bobber while Mike was fishing. He said he had bobber out there, and the owl kept coming down, so finally he had to quit fishing because he was afraid that somehow the owl would manage to impale itself on the hook by pulling the bobber up. Uh, So barred owls do fish. Uh, They do catch them. And they do eat them. Uh, the great horned owl on occasion and other owls will sometimes go fishing. So, yeah, owls do fish. And, uh, they, uh, yeah, Mike, he um, had a great story about fishing with a barred owl. And the barred owl just kept dive-bombing that bobber. Uh, he said, uh, I thought it would quit after a while, but it didn't. Uh, Ryan Shackleton had a pileated woodpecker fly over his car. And he said, I saw a small black deer, 125 to 150 pound range. So uh, he did not say where he saw that, but that's a a pretty cool thing. Uh, Rita Granson said she was going by Clear Lake in Iowa and saw loons there. So there are some loons. Uh, Also, coots and cormorants were there, a lot of ring-billed gulls, some herring gulls. Uh, she said she still saw a rough-legged hawk there and some pectoral sandpipers, a Wilson snipe, and a eastern Phoebe. I always worry about Phoebes. You know, we'd, 
we as humans we don't have enough worries so we have to look for things to worry about and i worry about phoebes because they come back too early sometimes well a lot of times and they just don't have anything to eat so they're out there trying to find flying insects and i recall a year at um Myri Big Island State Park by the Interpretive Center, where we found a uh, uh, just well-arranged pile of uh, dead Phoebes that all kind of starved to death there at once. The weather had turned uh, bad, and they just there was nothing for them to eat. Uh, the Rice Soil and Water Conservation District has selected Keith Radel. Uh, Keith is a friend. He's from Faribault, and he received a 2018 Wildlife Enhancement Award for Rice County. And Keith volunteers with the Bluebird Recovery Program. He checks and maintains a Bluebird Trail. He has 175 nest sites. So Keith pairs most of his, so I would guess that's 350 boxes. And he checks those regularly from April through August. And he has been doing this for over 30 years. In that time, he has fledged 13,148 bluebirds from those nest boxes. And Keith told me that when he began, he knew nothing about bluebirds or anything other than he liked them. So he put 25 boxes on a five-acre patch of land. said if a bluebird had happened to fly by, it would have hit one of the boxes. And that year, those boxes had no nests, no eggs, and no baby bluebirds. So Keith thought, well, you know, what could be better than to have more boxes? So he put six more. So he had 31 boxes on a five-acre patch of land. He did pledge eight bluebirds, but he realized that the five acres should have had only two sites, and if paired, that meant four boxes. So he culled the herd of nest boxes to four, and 81 birds were fledged. And Keith has learned that a young bluebird could fly up to 300 feet on its maiden flight. And he gives two years to a nest box to fledge birds. If that, if it doesn't, he moves it to another location. So Keith is just, man, he knows them. He lives and breathes bluebirds. So he is the, the bluebird guy, if there ever was a bluebird guy. So he just... Um, makes the world a better place. Uh, lots of folks are seeing all kinds of ducks. I got a number of messages from folks saying, oh, man, there's ducks galore out here. Uh, Rita Granson also said she saw an American woodcock. A uh, She did see a Rusty's blackbird, a Brewer's blackbird, and a Harris's sparrow. A uh, Richie Swanson, who is from Winona, said he saw quite a few rusty blackbirds. I went for a walk with a, a young fella and his mom. Uh, he was 12, and he's a camera. He loves taking pictures of birds, so he's got a nice camera. And we're walking along, and I see a great egret, and he's uh, he's going to walk down a little bit closer, not close enough to bother the egret, just to get in kind of uh, out of the way of trees so he could take a picture. When he did that, uh, unbeknownst to us, there was a group of uh, sandhill cranes there that all flew up right in front of him, making that odd bugling, trumpeting sound. 
And he came back. He didn't get a photo of them, but, boy, did he have a smile on his face just seeing those big birds. So that was uh, that was pretty cool, and I'm just glad he uh, was willing to walk with me. But there are so many great things to see out there. I don't know if anybody's got a dandelion yet. That'll be coming. Uh, the UPS drivers must be getting into their shorts now, so we can count, take that off the spring thing, because that is certainly a sign of spring. And the morning doves are singing that hula hoop hoop hoop, so that's another one. Uh, oh, I got a neat uh, call from another. Uh, it's a school, and they want to put up a couple bird feeders before the end of the year. They're going to hurry and do it. And I said winter would maybe be a better time to if they really want to get a lot of birds, but they're going to do it now. And they were wondering where's the best place to put a bird feeder. And I told them I have the best luck by putting a feeder outside, and uh, the, the teacher didn't laugh, so I knew that. <laughs> I felt like I was back in school. But in the TV series Mad Men, there was a character that said, nothing concentrates the mind like the prospect of being hanged at dawn. And this was a variation on a Samuel Johnson quote, uh, Samuel Johnson said, depend upon it, sir, when a man knows he's about to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates his mind wonderfully. When putting up a feeder, concentrate your mind just enough to hang it in the best spot, which is someplace where you'll see it regularly without much effort. So for those good folks at the school, you want it out of a, a window. Uh, and it, it's up to the teacher if she wants kids to be looking at it all the time, or maybe she would find that a disruption. But for most of us, we want it out a nice window so we can see it a lot without, without a whole lot of effort. We want to be able to a place where we sit, maybe in an easy chair or a desk, or a window that we walk by a lot. Because we're putting that feeder out for one main reason. We want to watch them. We want to see what's there. We want to watch the birds. So that's the best advice. I could, well, the best advice is still to put it outside because the indoor feeders just don't work very well. <laughs> Except but, for mice uh, if you have mice in the house. <laughs> that's right, yeah. But uh, just put it outside. And I got a couple. Uh, I get this uh, every year. I, this one said, I raised ducks. I found one of them without a head. What did that? Ooh. And uh, I, I got a couple calls from people with chickens, with the same uh, headless chickens. Uh, there are a number of predators that could be the culprit, but typically it's the work of a great horned owl. And if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would put money that it's a great horned owl. Is that where the and, saying, don't run around with like a chicken with your head cut off, comes from? Yeah, probably. The yeah, great horned owl made that up. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. You know, we always thought owls were so wise when I was a little boy because they were the symbol of wisdom. I don't know if they're that wise, but they're <laughs> boy, they're they're fearless. They're just uh, amazing creatures. Somebody told me they'd seen a woolly bear caterpillar uh, and was wondering where it spent the winter. And the woolly bear caterpillars go in to they become dormant, hiding under leaf litter, and they stay there until temperatures rise. So they could wake up in nice weather, and they're equipped to survive by they they produce something like uh, antifreeze in their bodies hmm. and keeps their cells from rupturing when they freeze. So in the spring, these woolly worms become active. They form cocoons, 
and then they become Isabella tiger moth um, down the line. So, an Isabella tiger moth, it's beautiful, but to me it's so much plainer than the woolly bear caterpillar is. The woolly bear caterpillars are just exquisite. I just love seeing them. And so it was pretty cool. It was yesterday when this uh, someone saw this woolly bear, so it was... Well, it was 70 degrees or so, it'd be a nice time for them to get out and get to work on what their their next big step in life. Boy, talk about sending the kids off to college. Just think if you're a caterpillar. The next thing, man, you got to form this. we got to change, make a couple of changes with the final thing is you're going to take to the air and become a flyer after spending all your life crawling around on the ground, so... Any predictions as to mosquito populations this this coming year, Karen? You think it's going to be? Well, if we get a lot of, you know, standing water and stuff from all the floods that are just kind of lingering, I guess, in the, the, the back woods or whatever you call it, there might be a lot because they like that, that stagnant water. So maybe. Uh, they, um, a wet spring, you know, boy, if we get a wet spring, I always think that could just lead to some really serious mosquito pressure, but. Maybe, I always add at the end, because who knows? Um, I guess all I can say, folks, if you want more mosquitoes, just throw more tires out there. Put automobile tires everywhere. They're perfect for raising them, because it's difficult to drain all the water from a tire. So I I put that up, because I I mentioned that, because I just drove by a place that had more tires sitting around in the yard and stuff. So I hope they clean those up. We we don't need a whole lot more mosquitoes. I know um, a lot of things eat them, but... We don't need to be raising them. They you know, seem to be doing okay. I felt like that. What the mosquitoes weren't that bad last year. I don't know if it was just me, but did you seem? I mean, they just didn't seem very bad last year to me. And I, I don't really know. Think they've been very bad for a while. And I know that's uh, everybody will have a different opinion on that. Is and it cyclical? It, I mean, in terms of the, their population, do you know? I suppose there is, but there's a lot more uh, spraying in some areas for them, and uh, maybe people are getting rid of more of those old tires sitting around, so we don't have so many. And it seems most years here um, at home, there will be a few days where it's just terrible. This past year was around the time when I was gathering raspberries, picking raspberries. It was a couple days there that the mosquitoes were just, I think they just set their calendar. (laughs) <laughs> for those days and say they're going to be gathering raspberries we need to get out there so it's um it, it's i i don't think they've been really bad well when I do just, they uh, when do they typically come out I, you know is there a certain date or time that they emerge? i don't know that there'd be a date or time a lot of uh, insects or it depends on if the sun is shining nicely but 40 to 50 degrees insects start becoming active so yesterday when it was 70 degrees there should have been a lot of insects i know i I found a couple little ones flew in with me uh, little kind of nits or gnats my mother would call them so there are things out there and uh, i'm sure mosquitoes become active just as quick as they can because they have uh, they have a lot of things to do too and what about wood it, ticks? Should we, we be worrying about them yet, or are they not out? Yeah. We should yep, be? Okay. Sure should. And uh, where, you, again, yeah. do we need to, to be most careful for them? They like uh, tall grass. They get up on the top of uh, grass blades, 
and they just wait for uh, me to walk by or a deer to walk by or something, and then they latch on to them. Uh, there was a teacher from, I believe he was from Pillager School District Sunday, and he talked about one of his students had a deer tick already. So, uh, oh, my goodness. North Is it kind of a misnomer that they're in the woods so much? Because you hear them, they're called wood ticks, so you assume, oh, I go in the wood, I got a wood tick. But isn't it more the grassy areas? It is the grassy areas, and it certainly could be on the edge of woods okay. uh, or paths through the woods. And the, um, they're also called dog ticks, but the old uh, folklore was they jump down on you from trees, and they don't do that unless they're up there on a bird. Maybe they're on an owl or something nesting, mm. Okay. and then they they fall off. Or uh, they, they are so small, some of them, these deer ticks, they're like a poppy seed when mm-hmm. they're first uh, in that larval stage, and yet they can do nasty things. We have another one, Lone Star Tick, that's supposed to be arriving here. They're in Wisconsin, I believe, but I don't know that they're in Minnesota as yet. And, and what's then we have the dog or wood tick. Is the Lone Star one a concern like the deer tick is? It sure is. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, there's a... I hope I get this right. I want to say it's Southern Tick-Associated Rash Illness. Oh, sounds nice. And then there's a couple other ones, not Lyme disease, though, but there's like three diseases that are associated with these Lone Star Ticks. And this teacher from uh, Ryan Salisbury from uh, up in Pillager, he is a Lyme disease sufferer, so he... uh, he had a lot to say, and he gave me all kinds of stuff about Lyme disease. And it's one of those things that it's hard to tell when you have it, and but uh, it, it uh, it's, it's not good. Is there a way we can prevent the ticks from coming around, like keeping the grass short? But I know then there's the, of course the the thought that we want to keep native grasses for pollinators and things. So so what's the best method to maybe try and avoid them or keep them away? Yeah, it's. Uh, they're they're around you know it's hard not it's hard not to have ticks so if we can avoid high risk areas high grass bushy areas the edge of woods uh, probably wear light clothes and i know long sleeves on some of those days are are hard but you can tuck your pants into your socks and look like a nerd yep yep (laughs) Yes. Or you can apply insect repellent around the ankles and belt, you know, maybe a belt line, but particularly around the ankles. And permethrin is the one, that's the one that works the best, works much better than DEET. Oh. And if you get a tick, just grab a tweezers as uh, close to the skin as possible and just pull the tick backwards to gently remove it and then wash the area. And those are the best way to... To live with ticks. And there, there's a superhero, isn't it? The tick? Am I right on that? <laughs> with a cape? I think there is. I don't know <laughs> I don't what know. his superpower is. I, I don't even really want to know, I guess. But oh, I, I do want to thank everybody. hope you all come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. A special is always a Heinlich McNover. And gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I heard on the radio a few years ago, probably public radio, that the average American eats 1,996 pounds of food each year. 
1996. That's nearly a ton of food. And using math skills that earned me kudos as he's not that good at math, I figured that's just short of five and a half pounds of food daily. And I didn't even figure in the leap day we get every four years. Inspired by that recalled information and having had a breakfast of tea and a banana, I decided to find food. I need to eat regularly to keep from feeling like yesterday's hash browns. When nearly empty, I walk to my favorite hunting grounds, the refrigerator. I hope there'd be some waffles that fit perfectly into a toaster. I believe there's great value in waffles. <laughs> I'd plan to make a smiley face of syrup on each waffle. Sadly, I found a great emptiness where the waffles would have been if we'd have had waffles. I'm an easy bruise, but a quick heal. Okay, then I said much too loudly to myself, and I moved on to other foodstuffs. I built a sandwich, wheat bread, and cheese. I smelled a couple kinds of cheese I'd found in the refrigerator. I tried to sniff-erentiate the two. I believe that's what we do, is sniff-erentiate, but I couldn't. So I put both in my sandwich and added an orange for dessert. I had to. Mother Nature not only pre-sliced, but also pre-wrapped oranges. Mother Nature is wonderful. Remember, folks, you are wonderful, too. Heartland is while we're driving past. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, for your exquisite company. Hey, Al, before I let you go, I don't know if you've got the Decor Eagle Cam on. I've been watching it while we're chatting, and the little baby, the mom has left, and the little baby is getting precariously near the ends of the nest, and I'm getting Uh-oh. kind of freaking out. And it looks like there's a little white blob. Could that be the dead eaglet, or would they have thrown that out already? Uh it could be the dead one, or it could, uh, how little, it could be... Uh, it looks like it's something. pretty good size, yeah. Oh, yeah, then it probably would, or it might be something that they brought in to eat, too. I feel like I'm watching this little little eaglet going to go off the cliff very soon, and I'm going to panic, Al. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Pound on the screen and <laughs> okay. yell, I think, is the best thing. Maybe run around your desk. Let me tell you, this is drama. If people want to see a little drama with this eagle eaglet, it's the Decora Eagle Cam. Check it out. The little eaglet keeps going precariously closer and closer to the edge of the nest, and I will be so sad if it goes over, Al. And I guess that happens sometimes, doesn't it? It does, and oh. it is the uh, soap opera. Yeah. And last year, I believe it was, or perhaps the year before, where there was a uh, third-party eagle involved pretty regularly that was out on a branch. And uh, one of them disappeared, oh. and uh, I think they got a new uh, they got a new dad in there somewhere. So, oh well, check it out if if you want to watch some interesting, like you said, drama. It's it's a great place to to um, it's watch. It's wonderful. Yeah, thanks, Al. Hey, great to chat with you. We'll be back again next week. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, bye bye. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm watching this this little drama, this little eagle. It's getting closer and closer to the edge, and I'm just gonna panic. Oh, come back, come back, mommy eagle. And then there's that little white blob in there. I don't know if that's the little dead eaglet that um, still or if it's just feathers from something else. But it's really fascinating how nature works and kind of sad sometimes. But that's, I guess, the, the nature of nature, so to speak. It's 1036 and you are listening to...